This is Dave Lyle, a.k.a. The Mad Scientist, and you're listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W-Tactical. All right, good people. We're back at it again. This is another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And once again, I want to thank everyone who listens. All right. So also joining me today across from me in the studio is nobody other than my main man the mad scientist himself dave what's going on dave i'm here what's up mike thank you so much much, uh for your help this weekend with the match uh it turned out to be a great match and i'm really you mentioned uh something about the listeners i'm really excited to to hear more about that you mentioned we have some international listeners now and i think that is really awesome yeah so um to back it up from the beginning you know no problem far as my help like i told you beforehand i'm always there for you and long as the match is going i'm gonna do my part to make sure the match is moving you know fluid so everybody's having fun and of course everybody's end state is going to get met. Um, Now, moving on to the next part of what you was talking about, we have an international audience. And I would like to say thank you to the various people who listen to us in Canada, Australia, the United Kingdom, Ireland, Norway, Puerto Rico, Bangladesh, Kuwait, Sweden, Germany, and Bahrain. Man, that is awesome. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, I don't know why you listen to us, but thank you. (laughs) I I really do appreciate it, and that put a big smile on my face. I'm smiling right now, man. Yeah, just to get that word that um, these people are um, listening to us in all these countries. So I'm happy about that. Yes, definitely. That is really amazing. Yeah, so um, also I want to give a shout-out to Vince Poteet who is also a fellow competition shooter who is also in the United States Air Force. So thanks, Vince, for giving us a follow and listen to us as well. Yes, sir. Thank you, Vince. Yeah. So um, now today's show, we, we well, I wanted to take it and record it as soon as we done it when it was fresh on our mind. But um, you had to matters you had to go take care of. So now we're taking it back to how we used to do the show, right? Which is the old way we did it, but we're still here. So this is the best part about this. Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. I, I, we meant to do something, but right after the match. But no, it's all good, man. Like I said, we're gonna make the show and you the roll. <laughs> the show doesn't stop for nobody. <laughs> Keep nope. it going. <laughs> all right. So CSRA put on a match today. And this by far was the most fun I had at a match within a year. So I agree with you. And it is not just because I put on the match. It was, I had a great time. It it was a lot of fun. It it was awesome, man. So 
we had a 144-round count six-stage match. All right. So I want to go back and forth and do a breakdown and get your mental thoughts and hear my mental thoughts and compare notes and see where we're at with it. Okay. Because we're um, we're fairly fresh off of Steve Anderson's uh, mental management class sure. where we're, we're working in a performance analysis journal. And this is great. I mean, it, it has, I have had noticeable benefit from this already. So if you guys missed out on the mental management class and Steve Anderson's training, you missed out on a lot. So next time he's in the area or somewhere close by, uh, get in touch with him, get in, get in on the class. Yeah. So you can hit him up and take the mental management class. He's doing it online for a short time until the whole Corona situation clears up as well so so going into the csra match stage one was the classifier stage and the classifier was 1308 so this classifier i've shot this maybe once or twice beforehand and i didn't put too much thought into it i had my game plan i stated what i was going to do which was i shot the top three targets right first did my reload and then shot the bottom target so my my thought process take my time to ensure that i hit two shots on the top array do my reload and just blaze as fast as i can on the bottom array yeah and it worked out the way i thought it was going to work out but at one moment i thought maybe i missed one of the headshots on the top array so i was kind of worry about that until i started walking down and then i seen that i hit it twice so that took some of that pressure off of me okay what, what was your score or, or classification on that one um it was a b class run okay. and i got a 6.3397 hit factor i did it in eight eight seconds 8.36 seconds with five alphas and seven charlies okay not bad yeah. I had the same idea. I approached the the shooting uh, of of the classifier the same way. I did not have as good of a result. <laughs> uh, well, then too, you was doing um, match director duties and shooting at the same time, so you was doing double. You was double dipping. I'll put it like that. Yeah, it it, it messed me up. I had to I had to go um, review a, a DQ that unfortunately we had with a shooter and and deal with that and everything was good no, nobody got hurt nothing it was just a, a minor 180 break but you know our rules are, are pretty strict as far as safety goes um and as soon as i came back to to my squad I, it was my turn to shoot <clears throat> so my, my, my head just wasn't in it but um i you know i started okay i, I ended up with the a class uh score there it was all right. I didn't get any penalties. I didn't get any misses. So right. I, I call it good considering the uh, circumstances there. Yeah. And I, I want to say when I done it, and I'm going to post videos from today's match later on in the week so everybody can actually see the stages that we've done. So I'll probably put up two a day until I run out of the videos from CSRA. Yeah. But when I started shooting them, 
the first one, I had a rhythmic flow. So, you know, my cadence, one, two, three, four, five, six, reload, one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Was, the bottom targets were wide open. The yeah, top so. targets were pretty well covered. I mean, it was mostly like just a headshot available on the top targets. You had a little bit of top torso, but mm-hmm. your better option was probably headshots on that one. But then the bottom targets were wide open, so you had different cadence for sure. Yeah, the more experienced shooters on our squad, they were taking the bottom first, the bigger targets first, and then finishing up on the smaller targets. But I didn't ask anybody why did they take that approach versus the other approach, you know, because either way you look at it, you're still going to put 12 shots on the target. For me, it was get the harder out the way and deal with the easy last. So my my consideration on that was if you did take the bottom targets first, which were wide open targets, mm-hmm. You could probably come out of the the holster have a quicker draw, um, because you don't have you didn't you I'm sorry you would not have to be so precise necessarily because you're coming you're drawing out of the holster to a wide open target, so your draw could be a little bit faster. Gotcha. And it, it's kind of I don't know it's kind of a toss up. Your draw is really important when it comes to these short courses, um, classifier type courses. Right. Any time you can cut off your draw would benefit you, but I, that was that was my consideration. With, with, with I don't know, thinking about it, but I got you, I got you. So either way, it was a, a good run for both of us. That's how I'm analyzing that one. All it right. was good, yeah. yeah. It was so good. Now I want to move on to um, stage two. Okay, so stage two was. The activator stage. So you came up with this idea, whereas you wanted to <laughs> delay the time from when you start to activate the swinger, but yet you still have to engage the rest of the targets to try to meet the activator by that time. Yeah, and it's something that for most ranges that, that have steel, it, it's pretty easy thing to accomplish. Um, and, and I enjoy this kind of thing. You have timing sequences. Um, if you come up to a ray that has a, a steel popper or something that once it falls, it activates a swinging target or a pop-up target or some kind of moving target or something. There's an amount of time that it takes for that steel popper to fall before it actually activates the target. So in that amount of time, you can pick up a couple other targets um, in that array and then come back to the, the moving target. And I really enjoy doing that stuff because it's just fun to kind of figure it out, um, you know, while you're shooting, but we can't shoot steel at sharpshooters, unfortunately. So I came up with something that would be kind of similar. We have a, um, I set up the stage where you have a ball that you had to pick up is a, is a heavy weighted ball. It was a baseball, actually, like a, a heavy practice baseball. But you would pick it up, and you had the option to engage a couple targets, uh, strong hand only. And then you put this ball into a, a tube. In the tube, it ran down this tube and hit a activator and, and, and caused the swinger to activate. But while the ball was actually running down the tube for that amount of time, it wasn't long, like two or three seconds you could engage other targets and then come back to 
when the ball activated that target and, and go from there. So it was the best I could do without steel. Right. Well, like I said, um, I will honestly say I had two stages that I consider to be fun stages for me. You know, overall the match was fun, but these two stages stuck out the most to me. And this is one of those stages. Now, um, this stage, I can honestly say I perfected the art of visual patience on this stage. And when I say that, it was my first two shots because it was in between a barrel and a no-shoot. And then on the other target, on the other side of the no-shoot was just the regular target. So visual patience, and I want to say I hit um, two alphas on that, and then I blazed the rest of it. Now, when I got to the portion of grabbing the ball, I didn't do what we had talked about beforehand. You said your intent was to get people to grab the ball and shoot with one hand, those two targets, drop the yeah. ball in and finish up the rest of um, the targets. So what I did was um, leaning off to the right, the first two targets that I just spoke of, coming back to my left, you know, the two targets on the outside of the fault line, leaning around the wall as i'm moving up i grabbed the well i didn't grab the ball yet so i shot the two targets then i grabbed the ball and it, as i was traversing to the other port when i was going by i just dropped the ball in the tunnel and then i engaged a tuxedo the other two targets and then the swinger which i ended okay. up being two alphas on the swinger nice okay yeah so my way of doing it, when I was watching everybody else do it, it was just like your intent was to have people shoot it with one hand. But I really didn't see any time difference between shooting it with one hand and the way i done it, which was shoot the targets first and then grab the ball. Yeah. So it was the, – the main goal of that was to, to create a timing – array like a timing sequence array but i thought it might also you know allow the opportunity to have a, a strong hand only uh set of targets there um, but i saw a lot of people do it you know different things a lot of the the pcc shooters obviously they've got to hold up a big rifle right um with one hand so you know it wasn't in their best interest necessarily to take targets one-handed. Um, they could, they could. Um, I saw one guy actually picked it up and then supported the, the front end of his rifle, just kind of like with his arm, mm -hmm. you know, cause he couldn't actually, cause he had the ball in his hand, so he couldn't grip the, uh, handguard. Right. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. There was some different approaches to it and, Everyone uh, seemed a little bit nervous about the stage when I posted it, uh, posted the images of it, but <laughs> I think everyone had a good time with it. And it, there was a lot of different options there and different approaches that people took. And I, I, it, I think it turned out real well. Um, one thing I can say about it, um, I seen people do it two different ways, um, my way and then your way, your intentional way you wanted it to be ran. And, you know, it, I, like I said, I didn't talk to anybody about it. I was just looking and observing. I was like, okay, that's pretty interesting. But then again, as we said beforehand, when people run a stage different ways and you got 10 people on a squad and then you got four people running it differently, that was a good stage design right there. 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, I had an idea of the way that I would run a stage, but I, I have a hard time um, considering how the low capacity shooters might shoot it like uh, production or revolver or uh, um, single stack or something like just because I'm, I, I'm not all that experienced in those divisions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm looking at a stage from a, 28 round magazine that I start with. And then (laughs) so it's a lot different than someone starting with eight rounds or 10 rounds. Um, Mm. I try to consider those stage plans, but I'm I'm just not that good at it. So so, um, it's interesting. Yeah. It's definitely interesting to see everyone, uh, you know, there I saw probably like four different approaches to that stage. Oh, so now stage three, this was my final stage for the day. Okay. And um this was another interesting stage. And literally I've seen this stage ran four different times within my squad by itself. You know. So it was What do you, a, what do you mean four four different ways? Yeah, it was ran four different ways. Okay. <laughs> and it was a symmetrical stage, so when you turn around and you look at it, um you had the same number of um targets like if you drew a line in the middle had the same number on the left as it was to the right. Only difference was the setup was different as far as the targetry. So it had like an extra double target on the backside, one by itself, whereas the opposite side had two tuxedos with a double also. So, but yeah, yeah. If you, you know, started in the corner and worked your way around and made like a moon shape, you could have done it like that. That was my original way of doing it. Which but, which corner? Which was your original plan, right or left? Right. So my original plan was starting off with as I'm facing um, downrange, um, starting off with the left target tree, the double targets to the left. Yeah. Okay. And then working my way forward to that one that was by itself on the opposite side of the wall. Yeah. Moving forward to the double stack, and then shooting the two that was in front of me, doing a reload stepping around the wall and then finishing up everything else, moving backwards to the double stack to the right corner. Okay. But I felt like the target tree was seriously close to the 180. And I was like, I didn't want to chance it. So I was like, there's another way I have to do this. Right. So as I'm thinking, I'm thinking same thing, starting the left corner and now, you know, bounce up or do something. But, I seen my man Chris Britt run it. You know, Chris Britt with the bright colors. He's very bright, yes. Yes. <laughs> so he <laughs> um he ran it like in a zigzag pattern. So I was like, that's it right there. I'm, that's how I'm gonna do it. So I went ahead, changed my stage, my stage plan, and I did it somewhat differently than he done it. All right. Now there was three people including myself on my squad who ran it the zigzag pattern way. And I didn't and, see that. Yeah. So this is how I did it. Okay. Okay. Starting off in the left corner, yeah. one, two, three, four, th- that double target, you know, yeah. one on the bottom one on top. I ran to the middle where that barrel was for right? the single target, for the single target. But what I did was as soon as I got to the barrel, I started walking backwards to engage that one target by itself yeah turn around now i hit the two um the double targets on the right corner on the far right okay all right now i take two three steps 
Now I'm looking at the two tuxedos. So I gauge the two tuxedos, then come around that, that other wall. And now I'm gauging that the double, the top and bottom double. Yeah. Bust the reload. And now I'm taking out everything on the back wall, ending up with that double on the uh, far the, left. The, yeah. Cause you could see everything else on the back from that from the right side of the wall there. Or I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. 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 The right side of the wall, near the wall. So Okay. Um like That's I said. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So actually watching Chris do it because his squad was before us and we was sitting there. He was the last shooter. So when I, I was like, that's it. And like I said, I just improvised it a little bit to make it tailored to me, ran it, and it was a successful run. So that's one of the things that's so interesting about our sport, man. You you set up a stage and, um, you know, you have different people coming to shoot it and then they're looking at it from a completely different angle. Mm-hmm. And you, you said you saw four different, uh, you know, approaches to the stage. And, right. and it's, I think it's great because the, you know, people are at uh, different skill levels, and, and and that's our sport. We have the classifications, and everyone's at a different skill level. And you you might have different techniques that you would feel more comfortable with when you approach a stage plan that you, that you want to take advantage of. Yeah. So you know, you're looking at a stage different than someone else might, and it's uh, man, I love it. It's it's yeah. it's great. It's it's an art by itself. Oh, so, it is. You know, stage three, I ended up with. 21 alphas, 11 charlies. I did it in the time of 20.30 seconds with a hit factor of 7.3399. So, I like I said I felt yeah, I felt good about that run. But now by this being my last stage, I was a little beat down also, so I wasn't was at that, yeah, it was hot. But I wasn't at that point where I was like, I want to give up. I was still like, I still had a little bit of charge in the tank. And I still could have pushed on for maybe about three or four more stages. You know. So we, we actually made it through pretty quick. I, w- <clears throat> I was really pleased with the way the match went today. Yeah, there's two of them. There's two we, of them. we had a couple uh, DQs. And both of them were actually on this stage. Right. Um, because of the... Well, both of them were, were because of the break in the 180. Um, now, were both area. people who got the DQ, were they both like fairly new shooters? Uh, No. The newest shooters out there did not have a problem with it. I think they were, they were somewhat new. I mean, like they're shooting new. Well, people. Maybe not new. Let me don't say new, but maybe inexperienced. Gotcha. Um, le- or less experienced, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm uh, with just you. just a couple. I mean, it's it was easy to do, um, right. and it wasn't anything you know super dangerous. But it, you know, we have pretty strict rules about our our 180 lines with our with our muscle control, and it's just they just happen to get you know, a little bit past the, the 180 mark there. Right. So now moving on to stage four. All right. I won that stage. All right. Now this was a short stage (laughs) with a 24 round count. But when you sit there and you look at it, everything was doubled. So you had one target on top, one target on the bottom. And just looking at it because it looks so simple. 
it was enough to have somebody like, oh man, I can blaze through this. This is going to be a hose fest. Yeah, yeah. I got this. Yeah. And of course, this being my first stage that I shot, I didn't I didn't look at anybody shoot the stage, but I was listening for the rhythmic patterns of how everybody was shooting it. Yeah. And I can honestly say I heard a couple people shoot it, whereas they started off kind of fast with more shots going off than what should have been. Then they slowed themselves down and then they went through the rest of the course. So this is uh, the stage design that Travis uh, Crane did for us. Um, right. He's He's been on the show. Mm-hmm. But we, we tested it out, something kind of similar to this stage um, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. And it looks so simple. And I guess it really is a simple stage. Right. But when you're actually trying to run it, there's so much uh, speed changing. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it can really throw you off. Um, it, the, the shooting is very simple. But there's there's so much going on there. You have double stack targets with, with uh, no shoots in between them. The top targets, you pretty much just only had the headshot available. Um, and, and the first two arrays were pretty close. And then you had a wide, long transition to some far targets about maybe 15 yards. I guess they're not really far, but they're 15 yard targets with the same kind of double stack array. So I don't know where most people started. I started on the far targets and then moved to the closer targets. But either way, you went. It was a big speed change. Like if you started on the far targets, like I did, you you know you were kind of slower. You had to take your time to make sure you got good hits, and then you transitioned into these real close targets, and then you had to get on the gas real fast, um, or or vice versa. You were on the gas, you know, from the start, and then you really had to slow down and and watch your shots on the on the longer targets. So it was it was deceiving. It's a simple stage for sure, but it it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, yeah. and people had trouble with it. Yeah. So, because it was so simple, that's, that's why people had, <laughs> yeah. you know. But like I said, I what I did was I started on the, I started off on the right corner of the box, shooting to the far targets to the left first, and then I moved inside the port, and then I made the transition all the way to the right after a reload to take out the last eight, uh, eight shots. Yeah. Uh, Where did you start again? Tell me again. Okay, so I started with my feet in the um, right-hand corner of the box so I could see. The both. middle targets. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yes. The, okay. You know, like, so you got um, on the left-hand side of the port of the wall, and then I can still see inside that port also. Okay. You know, so I started there, but at the same time, like you said, my rhythm was head shot, body, body, head. Then went back to head, body, body, head. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's a lot of speed changing there. Yeah, and and so. for the listeners, check out the videos here that are going to come up soon. It'll make more sense when you when you see the videos. But yeah, so um, like I said, that one I did in um, fifteen point eight zero seconds. Um, I had eleven alphas, thirteen charlies with a six point seven seven two two hit factor. So, okay. You know, like I said, um, could I have pushed it faster? Yes. 
but yeah, but yeah, you could have, but <laughs> like yeah, there would be solid hits like that. Though. It would have been a joke yeah. in there somewhere, and possibly a mic if I would have tried to push it a tad bit faster. Because, like you said, you're going from fourth gear to second gear in a matter of yeah, yeah, <laughs> one yeah it's, a, it's a as a speed change up, man. It doesn't seem like it's it's a big deal, mm-hmm. but but when you're in in the you know the heat of the moment, the match, it it. You you got to be on your game. You can't you can't transition from a seven yard target to a fifteen yard target and maintain the same the same pace and expect to get good hits. So, yeah. or or you know or the other way around. So it's so that that was a, a tricky stage. Yeah, it was, it, it, was. it was fun, but it was tricky. But it was an eye opener, also. You know, but moving on to stage five. Okay. Now, stage five was another one, whereas I ended up changing my plan, how I was going to shoot it, not at the last moment, because when I did my walkthrough earlier in the morning, when I got back on it, I was thinking about it, like when I was waiting for the match to start, and when I did the walkthrough when the stage was, um, the squad was about to shoot the stage, now I changed it up. So my game plan was starting off with my toes on the right, far right outside. Yeah. Step in the two targets to the left. Yeah. Now to that first when port. I, when I transition to the back port, I was thinking of taking that one at the front and then the three that was um closer to me now. Yeah. As I come up, do a reload take everything from the back coming back around to end up on that target that was next to the one that I took at the front. Yeah. 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 I, I saw another limited shooter take that approach right there. Just, yeah. just so, because they had to work in a reload. Yeah. So that was my first thought of doing that. But the way I actually did it was when I stepped in, I took the two to the left. Then I took the three and that back port as I stepped up. Now I took those two through that second port. You see what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. And then I did the reload, so went to the far left corner, and then I just made my way around. Okay. Reload after 14. Correct. And you ran to the left corner and finished it out. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, that was that was a fun one also. And once again, like I said, I was debating on which way I wanted to do it. You know, which way would have been faster? I don't know, but that was one of those stages where I was like, okay, this is, this can be a fun one. This can be really Yeah, so that was another Travis Crane design stage. Um, And I did the same thing, actually. I had a plan, you know, in the morning when we were walking through the stages, and I did not shoot that plan. (laughs) I changed it, uh, you know, not – you know, at the last minute, like you said, I I think we did kind of the same thing. I ended up running with a different plan uh, than I'd originally thought. And I don't know if it was better or not. I, I think I, I just like, let me look at the percentage here. I had 86% on that stage. So it obviously wasn't the best plan. What I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the, the shooter that won this stage did, but. Yeah, so um, I ended up getting um, 95% of the points on that one. Um, but I did 
have 22 alphas, six Charlies. I did it in the time of 20.81 seconds with a 6.4392 hit factor. So it felt good, but the only thing about it was it played on my movements because I almost overshot the port because, you know, I took like a real big step and I coming out of the first port. Correct. I did the same, I did the exact same thing. <laughs> I actually wrote that in my notes here. I stuttered on that transition because mm-hmm. that Travis put that barrel right in the center in between those ports in the exact perfect position to mm-hmm. screw you up. <laughs> there was no way around that barrel where it didn't mess you up. Yeah, but it, it was a good stage. Um, it was. It was a very good stage. It was a lot know. of fun. But now I can honestly say what I did with this stage, I put a lot of mental thought into it because I was like, just like the previous stage, this is too simple. Something has to happen. <laughs> so <laughs> I was thinking too much of it. But then when I actually made the change in my plan, that's when I came up with the concept of, hey, just keep it simple and just flow with it. You know, don't overthink it. So I was looking at this and I got this idea from uh, Emily that was a PCC shooter on, on the squad. Right. I ended up drawing to the far target in the back left corner that you could see through the port mm-hmm. and then took the, the two close, the near targets through that same left port. Right. Transitioned over to the right, that, that triple stack, or not a triple stack, but the, the triple target array there. Okay. Came out of that window and went to the third port and picked up those two uh, open targets from the third and just stopped. So I only took like four steps in that whole stage. Hmm. And then I was at the point where I could see the targets from the back rear corner behind the barrel, that double stack behind the barrel. And then I just transitioned over and, and cleared the, the whole back row. Okay. But That's interesting. it seemed like a really good plan because you didn't have to move very much. But I think it actually may have slowed me down a little bit because I was taking longer shots. Um. So I don't know. It, it was kind of a toss-up. I, I couldn't decide whether running all the way down, uh, being a little bit closer to targets would be a, would be a better plan, which generally it is. Mm-hmm. But it was such limited movement that you had to do with that stage plan. I really thought that would have been would have been the way to do it. But uh, I finished eighty six percent. Probably Tom probably got the the best run on that, but I don't know. I haven't looked it up. But I don't know. It was something different. And, and again, you you've got a stage with with several different ways to shoot it. Yeah, and I want to say. The reason why I pretty much ended up in that corner because of the time for the reload. So by the time I finished the reload, I was already looking at the target ready to shoot it, you know, going up to that left corner. Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't have to reload on that one. So that would make a lot more sense, I yeah. think. You, you've got to eat up that time. Correct. Or you you could eat up that the reload time and, and make your way further down the range to get the targets closer. Yeah. So yeah. So I I think you did the right plan there for for a limited division. Yeah. So Mr. Travis Crane, those were two great stages that you put. They up were. Today and, um, they were definitely. Yeah, and I, I like that. It was a little challenging that played on your mind. So I, I'm gonna have to buy that guy a hot wing or something the next time I see him. <laughs> He'll appreciate it. Yeah. So now, stage six. All right. Now, 
Stage six is the other stage I was talking about earlier where I said the two stages that were the more, more fun. So this is the second stage where it was a toss-up between stage two and stage six, which were the most fun, the best stage, in my opinion, for that day. You know? So I blanked out on this stage. So honestly, you? I, man, I could tell you like this. Literally, I had my plan. I was visualizing. Once the timer went off, the next thing I can tell you after the timer went off was when I got to the end of the balance beam, when I stepped up on the balance beam to do my reload, I fumbled the reload because as soon as I stepped up, the magazine turned in my hand. So I just dropped the magazine, went to my belt, grabbed another one. Yeah. And then I finished up those last um, eight shots through that port. Okay. Um, well, I'm curious to hear about your your shots there because I don't I've had similar experience like that and that could be a good thing. Yeah. Well, so, how did it end up? Okay, so let me back this up to um the morning time, okay? Okay. So what actually ended up taking place with me was I came in and stated that I was going to do this match with no deltas and um, no mics, right? So I didn't want any mics and I didn't want any deltas. So came in and when I did everything, I ended up getting 20 alphas, seven Charlies and one delta. So I ended up getting that one delta, but my time was 18.55 seconds with a 7.0081 hit factor. Okay. That wasn't bad at all. Yeah. So, and like I said, um, the best time that I heard on our squad that did it this morning was 1834. And I think that was Bob Bailey who ended up getting that time. And I honestly believe if I didn't have that mishap with that reload, I'm pretty sure that would have been there in the 17s. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, but like I said, it was it was a great run. But at the same time, um, like I said, I had fun on the stage overall. That was I That was actually the stage that I had the most fun on. And I didn't shoot it all that great. I kind of stumbled on the balance beam and had to step off and get back on. And then I was falling off on the last target. But <laughs> I got all my hits. But you know, I, I definitely could have shot the stage better, but it was just a lot of fun. I really had fun on that stage. Now, I can honestly say, like I told you from the beginning, I blanked out on it, right? So once again, I changed my game plan, how I was going to run this stage. So originally what I was going to do was starting off on the left, I mean, starting off on the right-hand side of the rear, you know, um, fault line. Yes. Take... um one, two, three, four, the two that was bleeding off of the no shoot. Yeah. The one open by itself. And then the one that was further to its right, take that pilling back. Oh, okay. Okay. Traversing to the left-hand side, coming in on that open target. Yep. And I think it was a partial right there. And then do the two that's on the bleeding out of that no shoot. Yeah. Now, originally, I said at this point I was going to do a reload, 
Okay. Right? Because that was 14 shots, I think it was. Yeah. 16, 18. Oh, no. That would have been 16 shots. Yeah. So that would have yeah. been 16 yeah. shots. 16. Right, right. Bust the reload, then come up and then take those two um, targets as soon as you get to the edge, to the left and right. Yeah. And then hit the balance beam and then finish it off. But when I changed my plan, what I ended up doing was I ran my magazine empty because I barnied up at the beginning on the make ready. So I ran the magazine empty off of those two targets. And now when I got to the end, when I did the reload, that's when I fumbled the reload. And then that's when everything came back to me. I was I knew everything from the mess up to the end. I couldn't tell you what I actually did from the start. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought those two targets in the middle were kind of cool because yeah. you just wanted to haul butt out of that, you know, that last position and run down to the uh, the balance beam, but you couldn't because you had to stop and engage those two uh, targets in the middle that were almost like 170 degrees apart. Right. So you had these really quick transitions that you you definitely had to slow down for. I um, mean, most people you know had to stop right there just before you know you left that shooting area going out to the balance beam which was another shooting area right uh that was an interesting stage i liked it i had i had a lot of fun on it i yeah. struggled with it but I, I mean it was a lot of fun i liked it and once again like i said that was another stage that could have been ran five different ways depending on how you thought about engaging it but at the same time the footwork Everybody did on my squad was pretty much the same far as starting off at the right, going to the left, because at the beginning when I saw people doing the walkthrough, I literally seen people debating, do I take the left first or do I take the right first? And so I kind of set it up on, in my mind anyway, on purpose to allow that open target on the left to be shot on the move right. as you're transitioning from right to left. Mm -hmm. you you couldn't do that if you started on the left right when you swung over if you if you did start on the left and you engaged the, those four targets there and you swung straight over to the right there wasn't an, an open target available there you you had to take a few steps before you got to a target correct so i kind of did that on purpose just i don't know why but just trying to tie the the targets together the so the shooting together so you didn't have to stop shooting yeah. Um, but the the stage was left up to your interpretation. So, you know, if you felt like you could, you know, shoot it uh, if, wherever, wherever you want to start from. So, yeah. so for me to blank out, that was my first time doing that. Whereas I could not honestly tell you what I done <laughs> during the stage. That was my first time doing that. So for that blank out to happen, obviously my subconscious took over, but. It had to be fun in order for that to happen. So, so how were your hits on the on the first array of targets until you got down to the end where you had to fumble on the reload? I'm not certain, to be honest with you. So on this stage, like I said, I had the one delta all day. So that's my only delta I had. Okay. So which target I got the delta on, I'm not certain. So oh, I got to go you, back. You did, an alpha, you did an alpha Charlie call on those. What What was it again? um 20 alpha seven charlie and one oh, delta. oh man no that's great yeah. um you know you can do without delta but 20 alpha to seven charlie that's that's awesome 
Yeah. So now that Delta is somewhere on the first array. You know what I'm saying? Before I took off for the balance beam. Well, there were there wasn't a lot of target availability there. They're the ones that were hanging off the no shoots. Right. Um so it would have been really easy to pick up a delta there. You didn't have much of an alpha zone to, to aim for. Correct. But like I said, I still wanted to know which target it was. And I'm going to go back and look at the video and figure out which one it was so I can analyze it myself better. So, I, man, that's cool. I've, I've had similar experiences like that where you end up at the end of the stage. And I haven't. Or anyway, I've I've done this where I you know I've ended up at the end of the stage and I, and I didn't remember reloading, <laughs> right? But I know that I had to reload because my magazine didn't hold enough ammo to finish the stage, right. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't run out of ammo. So at some point I did have to reload, but I didn't remember it at all. <laughs> so yeah. So like I said, overall, like I said, it was a great day for me. Um, I went in after keeping the journal as we've been doing here for the past what week now two weeks uh yeah two weeks now yeah so keeping the journal and analyzing what i wanted to do i almost met the intent of what i went into the match to do that one delta threw me off so i will give that rating as an okay you know it would have been great but it was okay and i'm happy with that okay you know so so my my objective was so so yours was to have not have any mics or deltas correct okay mine was um to maintain my match mode and call all my shots nice um but you're and, pretty good at shot calling anyway well yeah i don't have a problem with shot calling but when it comes to lately anyway in the last uh few matches but maybe it's just because we're just getting back into matches you know recently or something i've had trouble maintaining focus um throughout the match and my lack of focus has affected my shot calling um ability i don't have a problem calling shots at all when i'm focused on it i mean i know where my hits are going but my struggle has been staying in, in the moment and and allowing myself to do that so that was what i was really hoping to get out of today and i did it so from my objective standpoint i it met my goal a hundred percent nice i i felt comfortable you know about uh, all the stages as far as that objective goes well i want to be the one to tell you and mr travis crane thank you too for coming up with some fun stages that meant a lot to me and the other shooters who were out there as well, as well as it did challenge a lot of people, but I think it opened the eyes of the capabilities of what they can do even better with, through a fun stage. So I do want to applaud y'all too for coming up with a fun match overall. Yeah, man, Mike, well, I appreciate you helping us out with the, with the setup stuff too. Um, Travis did a great job with his stages. Um, I wasn't so sure about my stages, but everyone seemed to like them. And you actually said that the your two favorite stages were the ones that I designed. So, yeah, so, <laughs> so I, didn't, I didn't know who designed the stages. Yeah, you didn't know that, but it happened to be. But Travis's stages were awesome. I really liked his stage. So it was a it was a good combination 
Travis has been helping out tremendously, and I really appreciate his help. And um, I think everyone had a good time at this match, and we're going to do it again next month. I honestly believe if you let Travis open up on a reel, like if you tell him, give me your all in the stage design, oh, man, that would be so challenging and a brain twister. It would be so much fun. I know it will be. So he's so – he he has eight rounds in his revolver. He's got to come up with the craziest stage plans that anyone can think of in our sport. No one else has the difficulty of stage planning as a revolver shooter. Right. Um, so he comes up with some crazy stuff, but he's accustomed to looking at stages that way. And it, it it's, I find it really interesting. Um, I can't shoot stages like that, but I just find it interesting to, you know, to see the way he looks at stages and um, his, I don't know. I like it. I appreciate it. It's fun and challenging all at the same time. I totally agree. But now I, I will say this, though, because Lucky Gray decided not to come to the match. And I think he knew I was going to win. <laughs> there today, you go, Lucky. <laughs> I was going to take the win two to one. We are still tied one to one, but we're about to go into the state match. That is taking place this weekend. That's right. So now the fun is going to begin <laughs> with Lucky and myself. He can't back out of this one. Yeah, exactly. So if he backs <laughs> out of this one, oh man, I'm letting I'm letting loose on him. I'm letting loose on him. You know, so he's the, he's the coordinator for the South Carolina match. He can't <laughs> he can't back out on this one. He's got to be there. Yeah, so it was a fun match, Lucky. You missed it, but I, like I said, I would have won today overall. So it would have been two one, my favorite. I'm just letting you know. Letting probably, you know. probably good he didn't show up, huh? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> also, I want to go ahead and remind everybody: please head on over to Instagram and give CSRA Shooters a follow at CSRA Shooters. And also give at Munitions Weapons Tactical a follow as well. So that's Dave's page and my page. And we do appreciate the support from everybody. So please head on over to Instagram and give us both a follow. Head on over to www.m-wtactical.com and forward slash store and purchase a shirt or two. Like I said, every purchase helps out somebody else and we're just paying it for it. Go ahead and get your summer gear with the new shirts that we have on hand and get ready for the summer in a big way with M-W Tactical Gear. Anything else you want to say before we bleed out there, Dave? I think we're good, man. I had a great time shooting today. Very much looking forward to the South Carolina State Championship. Yes, I agree with you. So this is going to be another fun one, and we're going to do some commentating out there at the state match as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a good time. Yeah, so um, I want to go ahead and ask everybody, please stay in your seats and stay tuned for some word on the streets from Coach B. And then the interview I'm doing this week, I'm actually doing it with my brother, my actual brother. So stay seated and here are a few words from our sponsors. The Gun Cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. 
in maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. This is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing to Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. Now we're going to go ahead and jump into a little bit of word on the 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 Thank you for listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. I am Coach B. I am sure a lot of you took the opportunity to go out and shoot the matches that are coming back in full swing. Please write us on the M-W Tactical Facebook page and share your experience so we can discuss it on the show. 
If you would like to call and leave a voicemail, we will air it on the podcast as well. Call 803-250-1256 after 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Leave a voicemail and listen for it to be aired on the podcast. The movement coach Keita Bussey from 180firearmstraining.com is coming to Columbia, South Carolina. Are you one who is looking to take your skills to the next level? Movement is an important component that can help you shave time off the clock. Go to the M-W Tactical Facebook page and under events, look for the Keita Bussey movement class. She will be given the basic movement class on 6 through 7 June. If you decide to take the advanced class that is taking place on Monday, 8 June, you must have previously taken her basic class at some point to be able to sign up for the advanced class. To sign up for the Keita Bussey movement class, visit the M-W Tactical Facebook page, go to events, and the sign-up link is in the description. The matches as of right now that we are tracking to take place are as follows. Matches in Spartanburg has resumed but is limiting the number of shooters per squad. Sign up for their match taking place on 30 May. Registration is open on practice score and sign up by doing a search for SPSA. This is a week for Battle at the Beach, which is taking place on 28th through 30 May in Tabor City, North Carolina. There are still some spots open for those who are interested in signing up for this Level 2 action-packed match. Get your gear ready, blow the dust off those magazines, and get ready to tame the shark. Please email the match director, Mike Fritz, for more information at lowcountryuspsa at gmail.com. TAC 2 out of Greenville, Tennessee is hosting two matches on the same day. They're going to have two USPSA matches on Saturday, 6 June, a morning and an afternoon match. There has been so much interest in the two matches on the same day that they have also decided to try a lunch option so that you can get something to eat and drink without leaving the range. How many ranges are willing to bring your lunch to the match for you? When you are registering for the match, you must choose if you want the lunch option or not. The first match will be seven stages and somewhere around 215 rounds. It will consist of six stages and a classifier, CM99-47. In addition, they have at least one new special surprise, a new Texas star from Red Stitch Targets. There is talk of another addition to the match, but it is a secret right now. This match will begin at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The second match will be the same six stages as the morning match, but with the target placement with hardcover, no shoots, and doubles placed in different places to change how many shots you shoot from where. There will be no classifier during the afternoon match. The second match should start somewhere between 2.30 and 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The stage designs are on practice score to review. Look up TAC2, that's T-A-C-2, on practice score for more information. If you listen to the show regularly, you'll know that Lucky Gray of Lucky Shot Firearms and Michael Woodland of M-W Tactical have a healthy competition going on leading up to the Mid-Carolina Toys for Tots match taking place in November of this year. 
Right now, they are tied one-to-one. I am asking everyone to chime in and state who you think will win this challenge. There is something brewing up between these two that is about to be good. Stay tuned for more of this challenge between these two. If you know of someone who is new to firearms, pass the word to contact us at M-W Tactical so they can receive free training. Yes, you heard me correctly, free. Michael believes that if you are new to firearms, that you should not be charged for getting clarity on safety at the introductory level. He says that is his way of saying thank you for being part of the 2A community. Contact me at info at m-wtactical.com and in the subject bar, put the words free training and we will get you scheduled for the free training. If you are interested in becoming a CRO for the competition sport in USPSA, there will be a class taking place on 31 October to 1 November at Mid-Carolina Rifle Club. You must have been an RO for at least one year to the date of the class or work two major matches to meet the requirements for the CRO class. For more information, please email lgraysection at yahoo.com. Please check out the apparel that is offered at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store. There are some new shirts that are up now, and if you notice, you will see the Coach B shirt. Be on the lookout for more Coach B apparel to be coming soon. Please purchase a shirt or two and know that your purchase is going to help those who are in need. Visit www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store. For those who would like for your information of your shooting event to be featured on M-W Tactical Podcast, send me an email at info at m-wtactical.com. And in the subject line, put word on the streets. There is no charge for the bulletin to let others know what is going on in the shooting community. Please be safe out there. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality hermit oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, 
and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. All right, good people. We're back at it again with another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. This week on the interview, I actually have my brother. Yes, my brother from the same mother. And we're going to talk a little bit about the mental game, but my brother doesn't do competition shooting. He shoots, but he doesn't do competition shooting. But he is an avid golf player. So we had a conversation a couple weeks ago in regards to mental preparation, mental management in regards to golf. And we was talking and kind of comparing the two and this stuff really does work. So without further ado, I would like to introduce everyone to my brother, Tim Woodland. How's it going, Tim? Going pretty good, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the invite. Really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. I thought I was going to have to twist your arm or two to get you on the show. Yeah, you know, I had to um, think about it if I wanted to come on here. But, um, but you know, anything I can do to support you, uh, I'm down with it. Yeah. I really appreciate the invite. Well, I, I appreciate that. And everything I do is not about joking on people. I would disagree with that, <laughs> but uh, let's move on. <laughs> All right, so here we go. All right, so just like anything else, you can be a direct source to how you've seen I handle mental preparation from a child going into my adult years. And there's one thing I think that stands out that you can actually identify with, and that was in our younger years when I was playing basketball. And I just wanted to get your take on it so everybody can actually get some form of an image of what you saw compared to how I played the game of basketball on a mental level. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're correct in that. Um, and honestly, you know, me personally, you know, I wasn't a, um, a basketball fan when I was growing up. I kind of migrated to it as I got a little older, um, but uh, for the for your fans that don't know, um, you actually picked up basketball at a young age, whereas I picked up football at a young age. Uh, you picked up basketball at a young age and really developed your skills and, um, you know, took the game serious and became really, really good at it. Um, and the times that I would actually come out and play with you, um, I actually learned a lot, you know, from the way – you know, from the way you moved, how you approached the game, you know, which correlates to what we're talking about now, um, how you thought about the game. Um, and even though I never asked you directly, you know, why did you do this? How did you do that? 
um, you would always give me that insight in a roundabout way. Um, and honestly, that made me a better basketball player in my later years um, until we were both, you know, sidelined with injury. You know, you having a broken leg and me having a bruised spine. So, um, yeah, so, you know, from a young age, you know, you've always been very, very focused um, and determined with anything that you set your mind to. Yeah, and one thing I can attribute to that was our aunts, especially our Aunt Donna and Daddy, because between those two, they wasn't accepting no. Especially Daddy. Yes. Um, you know, he was uh you know, he was he was the hard but fair. Hard but fair type. You know, and um, you know, if you didn't try hard enough, um, you better get out there and you better try harder before you came back and told them anything. Um and you don't really appreciate those lessons when you're younger, but as you get older and you know, your perception of the world changes and how you deal with things change, you really appreciate those little lessons because they do make you mentally tough and able to handle any situation that comes to you. Yeah, that's very true. All right, so now we're going to fast forward mm, so many years, and now I picked up firearms, and I'm doing it on a competitive level. So Mm -hmm. in the military, I originally started doing competition with long-range rifles, and I don't really know why I was focused on the competition aspect of it because I do know why I went to rifles, but as far as the competitive side of it, I'm not really sure why, but it's just like anything else. Once I put my mind to it, I'm trying to get the best and the performance and all that out of it. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I turned to handguns. But the handgun game is really different, and it's a multitude of things that's going on. So I remember the first time... I spoke to you in regards to me doing competition. And of course, you know, you was like, yeah, go out there, just have fun with it, do your thing. And what, like a year or so later, I'm sending you videos and placements on the charts. And you was like, man, you're you're really taking this serious. (laughs) I was like, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, when when you approached me about, you know, doing the competition firearms, you know, I just thought it was going to be something that, you know, you were just going to do, you know, in your spare time, an hour here, hour there, just something to blow off some steam. Um, but, you know, you can't argue with results. So, you know, uh, you know, in the years that, you know, in the years since then, uh, you can't argue with your results and how you've progressed and, you know, just flourished within, you know, within that community. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud of you for that and I'm glad you stuck with it. Yeah, um, like I said, firearms is a passion of mine. It's one of those type things, whereas you don't really know you love it until, you know, you actually do it. Like a lot of people who race cars, they don't realize they really enjoy racing cars until they actually do it and they sit back and reflect on it. And like, oh, man, that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I've seen that same passion with other people in the firearms community also, whereas when you're on the range with somebody and it's their first time shooting, and you can actually see, like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. And next thing you know, they're starting to do competition or they're going to the range every weekend or whenever they can and become decent shots. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So, um, but now, um, taking it forward, we had a conversation, and this was l- sometime last year. And during the conversation, I was telling you I was having an issue because I couldn't get my feet worked down. And you couldn't understand it. And the videos that I had at that time, it was showing movement, but it really wasn't showing my feet. So I couldn't explain it to you because you have to look at me to understand what I was saying in that scenario. But Mm -hmm. and when I tried to compare it to basketball, it makes sense in basketball, because if I take a short step, yeah, I'm trying to block somebody or I'm taking a stutter step to, you know, make a move on somebody or go to the hole versus in shooting. Like when I first started, every step for me was a big step because that's what I was used to doing, you know, as far as basketball and um, my training in the military. But um, that was something that was hard for me to figure out. And I was like, I don't know what to do, how to do certain things. And then um, I just started like really looking at kids playing basketball and playing football around the area. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, let me try this. Let me try this. And then, of course, you know, I started, like, lowering my step counts in a sense of speaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's one of those type things, whereas, um, once again, it goes back to that mental side. Now, um, yeah, so now fast forward a couple more months, right, and we was talking about you playing golf. So I don't play golf. I know nothing about golf. And, you know, like you're telling me everything you're doing. Um, You was having issues at one time with, um, uh, I guess you was having like a small competition with one of your friends. Yeah, I was was having trouble with my driver. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to say the drive, but (laughs) you know my terminology of golf. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you stay in your lane, I'll stay in mine, okay? <laughs> so, um, when we was talking, I had made the suggestion to you, either go to your backyard or in your garage and just visualize what you want to do and then work on that swing starting off something like five minutes a day and, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get it down packed. And yeah. um, I don't know if you actually did it or not, um, but if you want to talk about that, let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, uh, I did actually because uh, I don't know if you remember that conversation, but you know, I told you that you know I would go out to the driving range, you know, uh, a couple of times a week to you know to work on my swing and all that stuff, right? Right. Um, and while that I felt that helped, it helps still. Um, however. Uh, I still needed to develop that good muscle memory, you know, Um, not really so much being in the trenches with it, actually, you know, hitting the balls and, you know, going through my, you know, my bag with the clubs and everything. But, you know, I needed to develop that muscle memory. So, um, you know, when we were, you know, talking about, you know, just going in the yard and, you know, taking the swings and, you know, going through the motions and visualizing and everything, um, you know, I took that opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to start doing that here at the house, you know, and um, it's, it's actually made a difference. 
So, you know, um, so with you saying, uh, you know, when you're out on the range um, and, you know, you're working on your footwork or you're doing your dry fire, you know, those are things that, um, you know, that you've expressed to me, you know, help you out with your vis- visualization, you know, your uh, your muscle movements, you know, your uh, trigger reaction, you know, all, you know, all of those aspects of what it is that you do. So, um, you know, so I just kind of, you know, mirror those things. And, you know, with golf, you know, it really is all mechanics, you know, it's mechanics, you know, it's muscle memory, it's not so much strength and agility. So that was another uh, aspect of, of this game that I had to get used to, because, you know, a lot of times when you're athletic, you know, you can mask a lot of your, uh, your flaws when it comes to performing. Um, in golf, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be uh, strong. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to jump high. You don't have to run fast. You know, it's, it's all mechanics. It's all muscle memory. So um, being able to do, like, those drills, um, you know, on the simplest level for a minimal amount of time on a daily basis actually builds that muscle memory and has actually, you know, made me a better player. Um, and I know just about every time I talk to you, you know, you're doing some form of dry fire. So, um, and, you know, the results of you doing, you know, going through the motions of doing those things um, have actually, uh, I've seen anyway, have actually uh, produced results with you on your leaderboards and everything at the competitions that you perform. Yeah, that's very true. So I'm a big fan of draw fire and I tell everybody a, cause like people do ask like, you know, like, what are you doing to get better? And I just just draw fire. And I know a lot of times when you say that to people, they probably looking at you like, nah, man, you're doing something more, but literally that's all I do. And at this point in time and conversation that we're talking about, I was only doing draw fire, um, what, like two times a day at that time. Correct. And then another time shortly after that, I started doing three times a day. But when I started doing repairs on my home, I went back to one time a day or pretty much when I can get it in. And after I got the house done and then after the Steve Anderson class, the second time I took it, now I'm doing it four times a day. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, through all those matters of repetition, I am feeling a difference, you know, because right now I can honestly say last year at this time when I'm standing, you know, in the um, the ready position, getting ready to shoot, when that mm-hmm. timer goes off, I was so tense grabbing for the firearm. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, now yeah. I'm so relaxed. And the movements are more fluent, you know, at least it feels more fluent for me. Yeah. And, and to, and to, you know, to, to backpack off of what you were just saying there, you know, I, I felt the same way with regards to, uh, you know, being out on the links, as you like to call them. <laughs> um, um, you know, I used to have a lot of anxiety when it came to, uh, you know, addressing the ball and, you know, trying to make sure I hit it, you know, the correct distance. And um, in the beginning, a lot of times what I would do, I would overthink it. I would tense up. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go through my regular motions. 
Um, and I would end up, you know, not hitting the ball, hitting on top of the ball, you know, hitting it off the course or something, you know, something other, something other than sending it where I needed it to go. Um, so, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, with all of the, uh, the drills and, you know, the, you know, the little exercises and everything that you do, it alleviates that mental tension when you step up in a real time uh, situation, because it doesn't, it doesn't allow you to, uh, to be tense because uh, you're just going through the regular motions of everything that you've always done. So you actually look at it different, you approach it different, and you're more relaxed, and you actually have better results. Very true, very true. And um, I do realize that like when I do something, of course, when I do relax, you do perform better. But I realized that at a younger age as well. And it's just yeah. a matter of how you process the normalcy of the routine of what you're doing. You mm-hmm. know? So, um, yep. and even going back to the childhood when we was playing basketball, and I'm not certain if you remember this one time or not. And the time I dumped on you, or what, what time are we talking about? Uh, I don't think that ever happened. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, we was at the YMCA, and I want to say I was probably twelve or thirteen at this time, maybe fourteen or fifteen, and it was this older guy who was—he had to be like late twenties, early thirties, or something—and of course, the area we grew up in, you had to hold your own when you would go out and do certain things. And basketball oh, yeah. was one of those um, forms, whereas if you couldn't talk it and back it, you didn't have no place being out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking smack to the guy. You're telling me, hey, man, just play the game, just play the game. And I was like, nah, bump that joker. And every time I went up to go dunk on him, he would jump up and throw his knee in my, my stomach. And it was one time I bent over and I felt like I was going to throw up. And you just told me to quit doing it, quit. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to keep going because I'm going to dunk on this joker. I'm going to shut him up when I do it, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up catching him on a dunk. But my mental was, you know, just relax. Whatever he says, don't let it get to you. You know, my, my whole process that I did back then. But. It was just the mental side of that. It, that had nothing to do with the physical because he was right. obviously right. stronger than me, way stronger than me, but I knew I was faster than him, you know? So I just had to process it and think about how I could have beat him on the first step or get around him so I can get to the rim without him throwing his knee into my stomach every time I jump. Right, right. Yeah, so I don't know if you remember that day at the Y, but... um. It was the one by the James River Bridge. Man, you know, I'm I'm getting up in age, man. Oh, you know, Lord. I got to really go back and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and think about a lot of this stuff. You know, I can barely yeah. remember two days ago. Oh, man. my goodness. Man, oh, man. I thought I was bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now let me, let me ask you this, okay? Because I'm a firm believer in a routine that's going to help you out. So, of course, if we was – on a professional level, meaning like NFL, NBA, or higher, um, your diet is very important. Um, 
sleep is very important and of course working out you know so what is your routine far as your hobby being golf right now and Mm -hmm. how do you prepare for it both physically and mentally um physically um i don't necessarily prepare for golf physically um i try to be as physically fit as i can in general just because it makes me feel better um about myself and about um how i move around i just you know my joints feel better um you know, I feel lighter, you know, I don't have as much problems with my knees and so forth. So, you know, the, the physical aspect of it um, is is not really as relevant um, for me, you know, as it relates to golf. Um, because I try to work out, you know, I try to go to the gym and work out, you know, five to six days a week. So that normally keeps me pretty in tune with my body and, um you know, and staying limber and being able to do the physical things that I need to do, uh, work, you know, professionally and, you know, recreationally. Um, from the mental aspect of it, um, you know, I, I try to um, make sure that, you know, I, I keep the same routine every, um, you know, every time before I actually go play. So, you know, I'll... Um, you know, the old superstitions, I guess, you know, I, you know, I, I put my, you know, my golf pants on, you know, the, the same way, you know, I, I put on my, you know, my shirt, you know, the, the same arm, you know, through the, the same holes, you know, and everything. Um, but I also try to make sure that, you know, one, you know, I eat a good breakfast because contrary to popular belief, uh, people don't think that golf is physically taxing. You know, it may not, like I said, you may not be jumping and uh, rotating as much as you do in other sports, but, you know, there is a lot of walking involved, you know, a lot of walking, a lot of bending over, standing up. And, you know, over the course of 18 holes, you're going to walk, you know, two and a half, three miles easy, which you don't really, you know, put that in perspective. Um, so I always try to make sure that I stay hydrated. Um, I make sure that, you know, I, I have enough uh, calories in me to start the day and also, you know, make sure I take some uh, some food or some snacks or something with me so I can, you know, munch on those, you know, throughout the, throughout the round. So that way, if, you know, if I do start feeling fatigued or anything, you know, I can just take a break, get something to eat, recharge a little bit, and then go back at it. Um, and then, you know, once, uh, you know, once I leave the house and I, you know, I actually get to the course, you know, I actually like to, you know, do some warming up, you know, make sure, you know, my back is loose, my hips are loose, you know, hit some practice balls, you know, make sure that uh, my motion isn't interrupted in any way by overthinking anything before I actually start playing. So that way, when I actually do hit the course, um, I can rely more on muscle memory versus trying to quote unquote, figure it out while I'm out there because uh, I've been in a position where I'm trying to figure it out while I'm out there and it all goes bad real quick because you start overcompensating and undercompensating and you're not doing the things that you need to do to make the correct contact and get where you need to be. Um, so, you know, that, that's essentially what, you know, what I do, uh, you know, before, you know, during, um, you know, with, you know, with, you know, with regards to golf anyway. Um, that's essentially what I like to do. Um, 
because <clears throat> it's like I said, you know, um, you know, golf is a um, it's a mental game also, you know, so you have to be able to, you know, focus, um, keep your mechanics in line and not overthink anything and just really rely on your muscle memory. So those are the things that, you know, I try to do in order to, you know, prepare for my golf day so I can, you know, do those things so I can have a good round. Um. If I was I that was too long winded, but hey, that's you know, no, that, that's what I'm going with. No, 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 it, it wasn't long winded because I was about to express if I, if you was to take that insert of your answer right then and there, and just say, how do you prepare for your mental game, and mm-hmm. don't even say anything about golf, everything you express is pretty much in line with what I do with competition shooting. Yeah. You know, so therefore it's pretty much a line. Now, the only thing I I disagree with is when you when you said muscle memory. Right. I get what you're trying to say. But from an educated standpoint, I can actually almost want to say, I think you mean subconscious, you know, so the more you do it, your subconscious is really doing all the work, not physically you thinking about it. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's just you know, it's it's just a you know a, a medical fact that you know the more repetitions that you do something, mm-hmm. the less you actually have to think, think about, about you know think about doing it, and because you're just going to do it. Yeah, you know, so you know, so you know the muscle memory aspect of it is is the mechanical aspect of it. So you know, you do you know a hundred reps, you know a hundred swings, hundred reps, and you do them all the same way then, you know, when you actually go play, you're going to do that the same way, you know, because right. you always used to hear about, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know, or Michael Jordan or, you know, any, any of the greats in any sport. You always hear about them, you know, before a game, you know, going to shoot a thousand jumpers or a thousand, um, you know, free throws, a thousand three-pointers, you know? Mm-hmm. And so why do they do that? So when they're in the moment, it's the same thing as what they're doing when they're practicing. It's the same motion. It's the same feeling. It's all muscle memory. You're not thinking about it. Your instincts take over. Exactly. That's it. So to let everyone know, I invited my brother to come out and shoot a competition with me, regardless of where I'm at. And this cat keeps denying me about that. But then one day he happens to throw it at me okay, I'll shoot a competition with you, but you need to come out and play a game of golf with me. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, And I know you'll never play golf, so I'm safe. You might have a point there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting over here laughing too hard and I choke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so all the, all the good people out there listening to this podcast, um, my brother threw out the challenge um, because, you know, I actually uh, I actually do uh, like to shoot. Um, I'm just not, you know, competition ready or, you know, have any desire to shoot, you know, in a competitive uh, environment. Um, but he, he threw out the challenge, and uh, it's just not something that, you know, uh, that I really want to go do. So... I told him that if it, you know, if it if it meant that much for him for me to come out and, you know, do a competition with him, then he would have to come out and play a round of golf with me. And I would give him, you know, I would give him lessons and everything and, you know, we'll get him out there. But um I still haven't received an answer yet. So 
Uh, let's put the pressure on them. Let's get uh, hashtag Mike on the links going, and uh, let's get them out there on the golf course so we can uh, so we can see them out there. Well, just like anybody who should know me better than anybody is you. And because you sitting right here trying to call me out in front of the people, you better know. I am coming out to California, and we're going to play a round of golf, regardless if I come out there or you come out here. But either way you look at it, that game of golf is going to happen. You heard it here first. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. We need to make sure that we have proof of all of this. We're going to put oh, it on your social media. Man, it's going on video. It's going to be on video. Yes. We've heard we've heard it here. So yes, you cannot back out now. You have you have subscribers and fans that are actually looking forward oh, to you getting out here goodness. playing golf now. So no go. excuses. All right. So once again, I want to thank my brother Tim Woodland for coming on to the M W Tactical Podcast and having a conversation with me and just bringing people into our daily life within a thirty minute conversation. No, I really appreciate you having me, man. Like I said, thanks for the invite. Um, you know, wish you continued success and uh, everything that you're doing out there, you know, in the gun community and informing people and training them up. Um, you keep doing what you're doing. You know, I, you know, I love you. I'm proud of you. And, you know, just uh, keep pressing forward. Hey, that's it right there. So, everybody, please stay in your seats. And here are a few words from our sponsors. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality hermit oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes solid and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster 
by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you. This is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you cannot wait for Tuesday, go and listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can't even purchase M-W Tactical Apparel. But please go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the 2A community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.